everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the Bad Gashed. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the podcast, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is March4th.podbean.com. The link tree to all my stuff is in the podcast description. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow. And I truly, truly appreciate you guys checking out another edition of the podcast. Um, I hope everybody's doing well, man. It's kind of crazy to think that we are more than halfway through the year already, that uh, August is upon us by the time you guys will all hear this episode. But I hope that everybody is having a good summer. For all the kids who are seeing the back-to-school ads, um, I feel your pain. That used to be very depressing for me. We get out of school in like the second week of June in Ohio when I was growing up and literally like after 4th of July, you'd go to the store with your parents and you'd see back to school stuff and you're like, come on, man, can we take it easy on the school supplies? Um, and now they, they start selling Christmas stuff on like December 26th and it's like, it's never too late to get that tree half off for next year, buddy, buddy. Um, so it's way different now, but I feel your pain if you're a kid out there. I remember like one of the most depressing summers I ever had was the summer of 2002, literally 20 years ago, because I graduated from eighth grade, graduated, you know what I'm saying? They all do. Now they do that. Kids have like their little, you know, it's all about the cute little outfits. You know what I mean? I don't know why we find miniature clothes so cute, but we do in this country, in America, we do. It's like, oh, he's got his little cap and gown on. It's like, well, you know, I guess enjoy these moments because life's going to get a lot harder for Junior. Um, Sorry, that's really cynical to say, but it's true. Um, But, I mean, come on, preschool, graduation. I know it's cute, but it's like, did they even know what's going on? You know, four-year-olds, I mean, they're barely wiping their butts, you know? Do they they have the concept of, like, society and, like, oh, I'm achieving the next level of my educational? I know. I, I absolutely sound like one of those people that doesn't have kids, and I don't, and you're right. But I do have a niece and nephew and they did the whole thing, and it's it, it it is cute. It I I I digress. It's cute. But getting back to my original point, um, I summer two thousand two. I vividly remember we didn't get out of school until um, mid June, and of course it had to be on a Friday. We had to start on a Monday and get out on a Friday because the priest of the Catholic school thought that that was appropriate. It's like really, you think Jesus gives a you know what? If I you know if we're done on Thursday, champ, and I have a nice three day weekend to start my summer, thank you. Um, but then high school, I started like mid August. So it was literally like an eight week summer. You had just enough time to like blink and it's like, oh, now I'm starting high school and this is like a whole new world. But anyway, uh, it's probably a cynical way to start this, but I do want to say that I, I really truly hope that everybody is enjoying their summer. Uh, it's been a hot one here in Tennessee where I live, but, um, it's okay. I've stayed a lot indoors uh, because I melt when I go outside. I don't know if you guys know that about me, but I am I am that pasty that I would literally either melt and or combust in the sun if I'm prolonged to UV light for extended amounts of time. Um, but I've never fully tested it. You know, I've had my skin peel. I've had uh, a like a sun blister on my chin one year in Florida. So um, I just I try not to leave the hot pocket in the microwave too long. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, um, but my summer's been good. The podcast is is doing really well. I've had a chance to connect with a lot of really great people for this show. 
And it's one of the things that's really kept me going in a lot of ways in terms of just um, mentally being in a good headspace with everything that I've gone through. Not to sound like a martyr or a victim or anything like that, but I'm just being real. Uh, The last year was really challenging for me. And this podcast has really just been a reminder of how many good people there are out there with uh, doing doing great things with with either their creative pursuits. Obviously, I have a lot of musicians on the show. Um, I've had filmmakers on the show. I've had business owners on the show. I've had friends and colleagues of mine on the show. And so this podcast has really been something that's been a positive outlet for me. And I, I, I just can't thank you guys enough for the people who listen to the show, who tell a friend to tell a friend, who like and subscribe, the people who have taken the time on Spotify or Apple Music to leave a rating and the review for the podcast. Like it it really truly means a lot, man. Um, because I, I really enjoy having these conversations and connecting with people in a positive way. It's it's something that really, like I said, it keeps me going. It, it keeps my hamster in a wheel brain from from going down uh, the the dark abyss of anxiety and overthinking and guilt and regret and all those negative emotions that I'm sure a lot of you out there go through as well. So thank you to everybody who listens to everybody who has been on the podcast. Like it, it's, it's been awesome to connect with people around the country and to see listeners from around the world. It's, it's like truly kind of a magical thing, man. And that's really what I'm trying to do with this show is just, um, you know, persevere and move forward with all of you. Cause I'm doing it in my own life, man. This is definitely art imitating life and life imitating art as far as the show is concerned with me on a personal level. So when I say thank you, I really mean it. And speaking of connecting with people and channeling, you know, maybe negative energy or, or negative feelings into a positive outlet this week's guest, man, I, um, I don't want to give too much away at the top of this other than to say, it's like every now and again, you come across people in this world where you meet them and you feel like they're a kindred soul. You feel like you've known them. And uh, this guest is one of those people. He is none other than Crane from the band Stoneside out of Texas. They're, they, to describe their sound, if you love metal, if you love heavy music, if you love alternative music, if you love uh, genty metal, if you love atmospheric metal, um, this band is in your wheelhouse. So I guess you could say progressive alt metal, if you will. Uh, I hate all the genres and subgenres, to be honest with you. I, that's a whole conversation for a, a whole different day uh, in, in terms of the some of the elitism within the metal community that I really wish would just go away. It's like I don't care about genres. Does it does it rock? Does it make me bang my head? Is it you know something I connect with lyrically? And the answer to Stoneside's music is yes on all of the above. And Crane is somebody that, as you guys will hear, has been through a lot in his life, uh, dealt with a lot in his childhood. And like a lot of people who I think gravitate towards heavy music or aggressive music, it's a way to channel those negative emotions and those negative feelings. That's how it was for me when I was a kid. You know, all the pain that I dealt with from my parents' divorce and my own insecurities and having bifocals by the time I was in third grade and dealing with certain degrees of teasing over the years when I was a kid, metal and heavy music and alternative music, that felt like my people. It felt like all the people who... Uh, were, were sort of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the ones that got overlooked, so to speak. And it was always a healthy way for me to get out a lot of that aggression, to be able to crank up some corn or some Metallica, you know what I mean, or some Seven Dust. Um, you know, Creed is a band that was a gateway band for me. And I to this day, I have so much respect for all those guys now in Alter Bridge and the music that they make. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it was a really powerful conversation and it's one that um, I'm I'm just really 
happy that Crane and I were able to connect and that, uh, you know, not to sound cheesy, but it's true, but that the universe brought us together uh, for this moment in time. Uh, we had a great conversation. You guys are going to learn about him and his story, and I, I really think by the end of it, you will be inspired. I do want to give a trigger warning for those of you um, at the top here, because musically, as you guys will hear with Stoneside, you know, they've dedicated making their music to tell the stories of the dead and people who aren't here anymore um, in a variety of ways. And, and you know, Crane will we'll talk about that. But uh, there's some pretty heavy subject matter. Uh, there's some pretty heavy matter, heavy subject matter in this in this conversation, for, for lack of a, a better way to say it or a, a more succinct way to say it. I know I repeat myself a lot, but we touch on some heavy stuff, man, you know, in terms of his childhood, things he went through, and also the subject matter of Stoneside's music and, and the subjects that they tackle with their their songs, but it is all done in the you know much in the same meaning of this podcast in terms of perseverance and moving forward. As you will hear Crane and I discussing this, that's exactly what Stoneside is doing too by telling these stories through their music as a way to have it be um, an outlet and also keep those stories alive and and remember the dead, so to speak. So. But I did want to give a trigger warning at the top because we do go into some heavy stuff. And again, it's all done out of walking through the darkness to get to the light because that's what we all have to do in life. But um, I feel like it's important to give people a preface too. But this was a really powerful conversation, and I feel very fortunate that uh, you know my path crossed with cranes. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Crane of Stoneside. Here it is. <laughs> Alrighty, Duddy, there's the creepy robot lady. Well, Crane, I, I totally appreciate the time as we were just discussing before I officially hit record, my friend. Um, I'm a huge fan of Stoneside. Ever since you reached out, I've been checking out the music. I've listened to The Water and The Desert. Um, and truth be told, there's not a track that I don't like. I have my favorites, but um, the music really to me, the words that I wrote down in my notes are ethereal, vast, cinematic, otherworldly, and, and dreamscape. Like it's a very, it's music that really takes, takes me to another place when I listen to it. And um, I really enjoy it, man. So thank you so much for, for taking the time, albeit on a, on a Friday evening to, um, to speak with me for the pod, man. I really appreciate it. No, these kind of discussions are, well, first off, thank you for having me. And secondly, the nature of your podcast is just something that resonates with me. So, I mean, I appreciate you for having me on and I want us to have an honest discussion. Yeah, brother, for sure. Well, I usually like to go back to the beginning, even though these things, uh, like I said, I, I've scripted out my notes, but I, I try not to make it a QA and a because I like to let the discussion flow. But as somebody who loves music myself, and I know we share that, I always like to ask people what their earliest musical memory was. You know, what, what got you going down the rabbit hole musically, man? Um, <clears throat> well, um, actually, I'd like to hear your answer to that as well. Um, uh, it was in my family. Um, I come from a big family. Um, my mother was one of six, and they all played music. So it was one of my early childhood memories when we would get together with my grandmother. I would sit at her, <clears throat> I would sit at her piano and just tinker around, and I would be by myself. And it would put me in kind of a state of relaxation and uh, calm. And I would fiddle around with the minor keys. 
And that was all until I was a teenager. And then like it does for all of us, shit started going downhill. And then I started hearing music that I didn't even know existed. My parent, my mother, always was listening to pop music on the radio. I had no idea darker stuff existed. So I started hearing like uh, 90s era Depeche Mode, um, Helmet, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Deftones. And all of a sudden, uh, it would just become an obsession. It just spoke to me on a level that, you know, you understand it. It brings tears to your eyes. And I was I was addicted at that point. I knew that I knew what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to make music. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And you know, for me, um, I never dedicated myself to an instrument. Like I grew up playing sports, but I was always fascinated by the guitar. And when I was a little kid, and you know, sometimes you have those early memories and you wonder, like, am I am I imagining this or was it real? But I was it, yeah, was it a dream or was it an actual memory kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. I remember um, I'm 34 now. I was born in 88 and I remember the first house that I grew up in. Um, my dad was listening to a lot of Tom Petty at the time. So my earliest musical memory is probably listening to Tom Petty with him in the living room and listening to free fallen. Um, I think I had like a baby blue toy Mickey mouse guitar. And I was even asking my mom about this, just, just like we were talking about, you know, I'm like, did, am I imagining this or did I really have that? But that's, that is my earliest musical memory. And then heavy music came into the picture because my, my big brother, Brandon, is uh, six years older than me. So he's 40 now. It's crazy how time flies. But um, we have different moms. So he, he didn't live with, with us, but he would come over like a couple weekends a month until he got older. And um, him being my oldest brother, like I, I really looked up to him, you know, and I wanted to be like him. And uh, <clears throat> you know, him being a, a teenager in the, in the mid nineties, cause he was born in 82, you know, that was at the real like beginning of new metal. So he was really into core. Yeah. Um, and then he loved Metallica, uh, loved Metallica, um, guns and roses. And then obviously like all the nineties grunge stuff. So the first CD that I actually got <clears throat> back when CDs were a thing for you kids listening, um, the first CD that I got was from a place called CD Warehouse in Toledo, Ohio, yes. where I'm from. And and yeah, and CD Warehouse, I think they had them around the country, but it was CD Warehouse. Yes. And I believe it was Easter money I got from my grandpa, and it was a Sunday, and I'll never forget this dude. I remember I wanted to get Metallica until it sleeps. And I know that was the era that a lot of people trashed them because they cut their hair and they kept moving away from thrash, so their core thrash fans were like what are they doing they're selling out blah 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 but that i started at the later metallica and then worked back to the earlier stuff because i was eight years old in 96 and i remember the until it sleeps video had very like heaven and hell imagery and james hetfield's like rubbing dirt all over himself and i just remember it being an awesome song it was all over the radio so i'm like okay now it's 97 i think reload had come out at that point and um i'm like i just need to get metallica until it sleeps so I had some Easter money for my grandpa. My mom took me to CD Warehouse on a Sunday. And this was back when record companies were really making you know big money on CDs. And if you remember, um, they would put out like the single would be like its own CD and it would be like a little mini EP. So there'd be like the single radio version and then maybe there'd be like a demo or like a live track. So I remember looking up the picture of this 
years later, like I, I was an adult, it was probably not that long ago. Cause I'm like, I remember the, the cover of what it looked like, but it almost looked like one of those, um, like those, those, uh, kind of abstract, you know, paintings or pictures they show you in the movies when somebody's at the therapist office and they're like, what does this image remind you of? Well, there was like a Metallica EP like that, but it had until it sleeps on it. And again, I was a kid. So I'm like, I don't know the names of any of their records, anything. So I picked that up and we get home and I didn't have a personal Walkman or anything at this point. So I just put that CD into the family entertainment center in the living room where my dad used to jam music all the time. Um, First track is radio track until it sleeps. It's playing. It's awesome. Very next track crane is James Hetfield just saying MF like, you know, you know, to, to a crowd on a live track. And my mom's like, oh, honey, you can't listen to that. We got to take that back to the store. So that's like my coming of age metal heavy music tale is my very first CD was a Metallica until it sleeps EP of some sort. And um, I had to take it back the same day because my nine year old years, my mom didn't think it was appropriate for me to hear a grown man swearing into the microphone. And then like you, uh, teenage years for me got heavy. My parents got divorced when I was 11 in 1999 which was probably the height of new metal and um i wore out the corn untouchables record when it came out in 2002 uh, i was very heavily into creed um i know a lot of people have dissed them over the years but i i think that uh they they wrote incredible songs and mark tremani's playing spoke to me a lot um as a young kid it still speaks to me a lot now i love alter bridge and I remember hearing the song My Own Prison in the car when my parents were getting divorced. So Creed opened the door to Seven Dust and then Seven Dust and those bands got me going down that rabbit hole, corn open door. So, so yeah, man, um, you know, heavy music has always been a positive release of negative emotion for me. So um, like you, I discovered the darker stuff, uh, got more into it later and later in life, but it was, it was, it was because that that darkness was a place for me to escape to, you know, and it, it helped me deal with those negative emotions in a positive way. So, so yeah, it's a lot. I know that's a lot that I just shared with you, but, uh, but that's how I got into heavy music. No, I mean, <clears throat> I think everything you said is pretty common. You know, it's not to devalue your story at all. It's just, uh, you know, the vast majority of people that I have met that like, I mean, we're just going to go ahead and just blanket it all as metal or heavy music. Uh, I don't want to go into genres and subgenres and split ridiculous gatekeeper hairs, but let's just say more aggressive, sadder, heavy. The overwhelming majority of people that I know who identify with it have had some type of I don't necessarily want to say traumatic experience because I think that's maybe an extreme word, but they've had some kind of grinding discomfort happen in their lives. You know, even if it was just adolescent angst, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Your pain was your pain at that time. And Mike, I'm not saying you, I'm talking generally, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think I but, something um, a lot of people don't, don't realize too with heavy music is um you know they see the imagery or they hear the the heavy riffs and the screaming and the hardcore vocals and they 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 see it as very abrasive 
you know, and they, and, and I, you know, the anger in it. And I, and I think that's something that outsiders of that music don't understand that what a release that provides when you're a kid, like you said, whether it's general angst or your parents got divorced, oh, you got into some, some trouble. Like it, is, it was always a healthy release for me, you know? Um, what was, what were, what were some of the, the things when you were a teenager, Crane, that were leading you to, to explore that, that darkness with, with heavier music, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, sure. This is why we're here, right? Um, you know, interestingly enough, I'm really just, <clears throat> I'm really just now starting to dig into that to a greater degree. I thought I understood it. I thought I understood the things that led me into the beginnings of depression, which to answer your question is what led me to that darker music. But I'm just now starting to kind of re-examine that with professional help and see that there are a lot of things that took me there that I'm just now becoming aware of. And I know that's all very vague, but um, to answer your question directly, uh, not necessarily a cliche, but I mean, it is true. My, my parents split up when I was young. My father left. Uh, I think I've actually done the figure, and I believe he was in my life maybe 10% to 15%, if I'm being generous. And, you know, that wouldn't necessarily break a young boy. We all want our fathers around for the most part. But shortly after he left, um, I got into school, and I have real bad focus problems. If there's any letters you can use as an acronym, they're probably all in front of my fucking name. Um, so I was always in trouble in school. Um, I was always making bad grades and it really cut me up because I wanted so badly to make you know, my mom proud to not get in trouble. And then to compound that, I started getting bullied pretty bad when I was in second grade. And, uh, yeah, that sense of, that sense of being a failure, that sense of being made fun of, and then some early, I guess, mental chemical issues you started to arise and so when I heard heavy music there was so much chaos inside of me that that chaos on the outside coming to my ears that felt like a, a relief you know there was such a storm inside that to me when the music got the most vicious the loudest the most screaming feedback shrill noise I actually walked into that and it brought me the most release the most joy Yeah. And that, and that makes total sense to me, man. And some of the stuff that you're saying, you know, one, I'm sorry that, that you went through all that as a kid. Um, but okay. I, I relate to, um, the bullying thing too. You know, I, I had, um, I had three eye surgeries by the time I was six years old. So I was, I was wearing, Jesus, man. um, when I was, uh, when I was nine, I'll have to find the picture and send it to you. I might have it on my Instagram, but I, I looked strikingly like Dwight Schrute as a third grader. So, um, so I heard the four eyes stuff and other stuff later on. There was one kid in particular who, who, who would make fun of me a lot. Um, and that, and that stuff sticks with you. It affects you, you know? And then, and then I remember going into high school. Um, and that was really difficult for me because I didn't really have a click. I, I had my buddies who, who listened to heavy music like me, but I went to a Catholic school and I was also an altar boy and I like got good grades and stuff. And I played football and basketball my freshman year. So I had friends from, from different ends of the spectrum, but I also really loved basketball. And um, I dressed a lot like the guys I looked up to in the NBA. And then there would be, you know, insecure white kids that said I was a wannabe because I was dressing like the black athletes that I looked up to. 
And it was all just very confusing. It was, and it was like disheartening because in junior high, I, I was pretty well liked and pretty well respected for just being myself. And so I wasn't prepared for that kind of vitriol when I got to high school and that kind of judgment, especially from people who looked like me, you know, um, I think so often now, even in society, it's like, especially where we are in the, in, in America, it's, it's different groups who don't look and think alike, who tend to, to, to go at each other, at least, uh, on social media and stuff and in, and in the news. But, um, you know, my experience in high school was the most crap that I took crane was from kids who looked like me. And to this day, I still love basketball and I still love heavy music and I still love sneakers because I, I used to draw shoes because I loved hoops and had a pair of Jordans when I was nine years old. And you know what I mean? And, and so it's like, you know, when you get made fun of for being who you are, it really messes with your psyche a lot. And then when I got to college, I met other people and you, you get out of that, that bubble and uh, meet people from different walks of life, even though I stayed in my hometown. And it was, it was kind of cool to be a stranger and to be in a class with new kids every semester. So, but anyway, to tie it back to your story, man, because I'm not trying to make this about me. I, I relate to the bullying aspect of things too. And I'm glad that at least from that standpoint, you know, especially with the mental health stuff that you touched on, I think we're at a place now in society where, especially as men, you know, um, it sounds like in adulthood, you know, you have a mature perspective on it now and you're willing to talk about it even on this podcast. And I think that shows a lot of growth, not only in your life, but, uh, and in both of our lives, but I think where we're at, um, as a society today, at least in, in the States, you know, here in the United States for people who listen to this, who are from other countries. Cause I, I do think in America, that's definitely a stigma, maybe not so much for kids coming up today, but certainly from our generation. I mean, I can't speak for you, man, but, um, masculinity and well, we're in the, we're in the same age bracket. I think we experienced some pretty similar, um, I'm just going to call them stupid ass, uneducated ideas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, so at least I think that's, that's a bridge that hopefully we're crossing as far as mental health and being able to talk about this stuff. Cause it's important. I think there'd be a lot of people who, who would still be here if they felt like they could talk about it, you know? Well, <clears throat> actually on that note, that's, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but that's what the majority of the stuff that I write about on my record has to do with. It's about those who passed away, particularly on this new stuff. It's about those who took their life, so specific stories. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to alarm anybody, but I can certainly sympathize with that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, I guess, you know, since, since you brought that up and while we're on the subject of, of Stoneside, man, um, you know, that, that was – a benefit of the rescheduling is it gave me more time, you know, beyond listening to the music, which I really enjoyed and have been checking out since you got in touch with me. It gave me an opportunity to look at some of the meanings of some of those songs, um, particularly on the desert. Like I really love hell, pale dawn, Apache. Um, my love, my tomb features Connor from loathe who I friggin' love. So I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to talk to crane because he loves loathe too. But, um, but yeah, you, you talked about that, like I, because especially that song that features Connor, um, lyrically, um, it's it's not as abstract as as some of the other stuff. Um, in terms, you know what I mean. It, it, and and the lyrics are really haunting initially. I'm like, oh, this is definitely about murder and stuff. And and then I I was like, I wonder whose perspective this is from. Is it from the perspective of the killer? Or and then when I read the story on YouTube, and you can. I'll stop talking here in a second, definitely elaborate for the fans listening to this, but it's about 
uh, a real story that happened, I think, around, what, 20 years ago, 2001, and a girl actually escaped the trunk of her abductor, ran to an officer, and then the guy that abducted her, abducted her ended up killing himself. And that's what the song is about, right? Yeah, yeah. He stepped out of the car, and the guy had... Her, the guy in the state trooper had pulled um, her abductor over just because he um, his plate was out or something really, you know, one in a million chance, right? Like he was definitely going to kill her. God knows what else he was going to do to her. Um, but just so happened the state trooper saw the car and pulled it over and she could have easily just decided to stay quiet. But you know, kudos to her. She had ridiculous balls. She went bolting towards the trooper. And before he could really figure out what was going on, the guy stepped out of the car and got himself. And um, the reason I wanted to write about her is because she um, she grew up right down the street from me. I used to, used to drive by and uh, I would wave at her and she was always outside. Real sweetheart. And uh, it was close for her. It was closer than you could ever imagine. And I'm writing from the perspective of, and I want to make it clear, this is very uncomfortable. It was a very uncomfortable song to record um, because I'm talking about, you know, in the beginning of the song, I'm speaking from the perspective of the killer, but I really wanted to speak as if I was enamored with somebody. That's very hard to do. You know, I'm not singing about a child, but how do you go to a place of somebody who's a pedophile? without, I'm losing my words here and I apologize, but you know, I have a little boy and it's it's hard for you. That was easily the hardest song that it was for me to write or sing. But the second half of the song is just the self-hatred and rage inside. Um, because I think we all know that I'm sure that dude really didn't like himself in a lot of ways. You know, he knew what he was doing was wrong. He wasn't insane. And, uh, you know, he had the gun. So what does that mean? It means he was either expecting violence or he had already decided, hey, if all goes awry, I'm blowing my brains out. So all the way around, there is no positive in this story other than her courage. Normally, when I write songs, they're generally to speak of people's overcoming the people that passed away for each song. Sometimes it's about darker times in their life. I know a lot of these people or I have learned their stories. But with that song, that's more vicious on the record because I am writing from the perspective of a damned killer. And so that's difficult. It's difficult to do. It feels, I don't know, it feels gross. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you sharing that, Crane, because, um, you know, I mean, it's it, like you said, it's a heavy song and I listen to heavy music, but lyrically, I was like, wow, this is this is heavy. And actually, um, um, are you familiar with with He is Legend? I am very much so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, White Bat, I believe, is about a, uh, a serial killer. And I was reading some of the interviews from from Skyler when that record came out. And some of it, and I'm a fan of those guys, and some of that was like, it was heavy to listen to because you're like, wow, you know, because like you said, you know, coming from the perspective of the person who committed these things and, um, you know, so, but, but to be honest with you, I mean, now that, that you've even 
beyond what I read about the song, the fact that you explained that and what it was like for you as an artist to do that. Like, I, I honestly think that takes a lot of courage to do what you did. And especially the fact that you actually knew this girl is like, that's, that's just like blowing my mind right now. You know what I mean? To, to, to touch on that subject. And like you said, thank God that she's okay. And whether you want to call it, like you said, uh, coincidence or just an act of God that, that she was able to get away and this guy, you know, got pulled over for, you know, an expired tag or whatever it was, man, like, um, it, you know, it took a lot of courage for her to do what she did. And it took a lot of courage for you to do what you did, man. And, and if nothing else, I think it highlights that, like you said, if there's anything positive about it, it's about courage. Well, you know what I mean? So I appreciate that, man. Every, every one of your listeners, you and I all have grown up and we've seen the posters. We've seen it online on social media, it's, have you seen this little boy? Have you seen this girl? Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes they get returned. But you and I both know that sometimes there is no closure. Sometimes your mind as a parent or a brother or a friend goes to the darkest places. And unfortunately, oftentimes it's true. And with this girl, this is, this is a one-off. I don't know what kid that age has that type of courage, but she decided, you know, she was aware of the situation. You know, he intimidated her into being quiet. And she said in her mind, fuck this, whether it was within her spirit, her genetics, whatever. And she bolted. Because if she hadn't, I think you and I both know, Mike, that had been the end. Most likely that would have been the end of her. Yeah. And so I just, I think we can all sympathize with that. I think most people, when they see missing people, at least in passing, think, man, I wonder what happened. You know, where did they go? Where are they now? Are they alive? If they're not, you know, even maybe there's a degree of morbidity. You know, I wonder if these people have gone, if they're abducted, then where is their body resting? Who's going to find them one day on a casual walk through the woods? Like, even for a person who is dark like I am and seems to be fairly comfortable in the morbid, that's a subject that really eats at me. Yeah. And you, and like you said, you think about <clears throat> the parents or the families or the loved ones and <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat all of a sudden, but um, I didn't think I was going to bring this up, but the conversation led us here. That reminded me when you're speaking of what happens to these people, we had a scare when I was a boy, I think I was nine, I think I was yeah I think I was nine years old. And um, our neighbor friends, their parents took us to a mall in Toledo for a boat show. And my sister is two years younger than me. And I have another brother who's two years older. And then the, the brother I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, who's, who's six years older, there's gonna be a quiz at the end of this, everybody. Um, but, my, but my sister was you know, seven years old at the time. Um, she might've even been six. It might not have been her birthday yet, but long story short, we go to this boat show crane and, um, we're walking, we're looking at the boats. All of a sudden my sister's just gone. She's gone. And me and my brother are trying not to freak out, but, but, you know, we probably shouldn't have been watching it when we were kids, but we did, we would watch like America's most wanted and rescue 911 and stuff like that. So, the thing you're talking about, my head is, is immediately going to that place as a nine-year-old. I'm like, I hope somebody hasn't abducted my sister, put chloroform over her nose and taken her to a van and she's gone. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I mean, your mind goes to extreme detail. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And this went on for probably man, like what seemed like a lifetime as a kid, it, it maybe it was 20 minutes and thank God, man. Uh, there was, uh, I think it was a lady. Um, my sister had wandered into a store and a lady noticed that she was by herself and, uh, she kept her with her, you know? Um, and so, you know, by, by the grace of God, the universe, whatever, you know, you or I, or whatever we want to call it, the listeners, like, um, she didn't have a fate, a fateful end, you know? Um, but, but it was, it was scary as hell, man, you know? And, um, that's something that sticks with me to this day. And so like, like what you said, what you're talking about. And then you think about the people, like you said, you know, they're just with their wife and their kids or they're going for a jog and they got their AirPods in and they're listening to whatever. And all of a sudden they, they stumble across a dead body and that experience, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, um, it's, uh, it's pretty heavy stuff to, to put it mildly, you know? And I think it just, um, you know, that's where it goes back to empathy. Like you said, you know, how, how do people end up, you know, um, in those situations? Why, you know, it's, it's horrible. And, and I don't have kids. I, I know you do. Um, but, but I just, I, you know, I can't even imagine uh, somebody losing a loved one in that sense, or being the person that ends up, you know, coming upon a, a dead body like that. It's uh it's, it's really heavy, but I, but I think the fact that you're willing to explore that in the music, not like you said, in an exploitative way, but wanting to share the stories of the dead and the people who aren't with us anymore. I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you too, man, was, you know, you know, you talked about being bullied when you were younger, um, you know, your parents splitting up, your dad, not being a big part of your life. Um, I relate to the parents splitting up. My dad was still a part of our lives. Um, but it was, it was tough sledding. So I wanted to ask you, man, you know, at what point did you crane feel like you started to turn a corner as far as one discovering your voice as you're getting into heavy music and then two to get to the place where you are now, where with the music that you're creating, exploring these subjects and wanting to be a voice for, for people who aren't here anymore or for people who have gone through horrible things like, like the girl that you, you that you knew um, in the song, um, My Love, My Tomb. Sure. Um, you know, um, like a lot of fans of music that are really get into it, like you and I discussed, it was in my teens. And as I continued through my teens, I stayed the same in a lot of ways. It, we moved around, I moved around schools a lot. I got kicked out of a lot of them. And then eventually, you know, that sense of being a failure, you know, just completely at this point, I was completely identifying with being a person who failed their potential. You know, my mother was an incredible mother, especially for a single mother. But I just felt at that point she could have done everything to lift me up. But the school system, they let me know that my efforts were in vain. There was a giant F on everything I did. And so eventually I basically ended up chopping out. At that point, the anger, the angst, my friends around me, you know, we were all skaters. We would all hang out. They'd bring around heavy shit. And like I told you, I just got on fire for it. And at that point, I was just like, what, man? I want to play guitar. My uncle, who was one of the men in my life, uh, took me to the pawn shop, got me a, a shitty kind of nylon string guitar. I learned three chords and it was off to the races. And then, you know, the next thing is, man, shit, I think I want to be in a band. So I did. 
but I was a guitarist. I had no desire to sing. Um, when I did get on the mic, it was just straight aggressive. It was just straight, straight screaming. Because at the time I was really into Converge, Vision of Disorder, uh, things like that, Dillinger Escape Plan. And uh, it just kind of came about naturally. I mean, people wanted to know, hey, can you sing a clean note? The guys in the band, I was like, man, maybe, I don't know. Uh, so I started singing. And then kind of as I started broadening out of my music and becoming not so angry and getting into more kind of bittersweet or sullen music, I started trying to sing more. And then you say, find my voice. I mean, I literally did. I, but, I, you know, just like everything up to that point, Mike, I, I was very insecure. You know, I was criticized for trying to sing. I remember exactly what people said. I remember people that I thought were my friends just mad dogging me. You know, at this point, I'm, I'm a young man. You know, I'm 19, 20 years old. And that sense of inferiority, it still managed to find me. Still felt like I was being made fun of. And whether they meant it in a good spirit or not, is irrelevant. It's that it hurt. And it drove me even more into this kind of, I'll fucking show you, you know, I will channel this and I will show you that I am more than you think I am. So to answer the second part of your question, man, I, I try to find another way to say this that's more empowering. But early on, anger and failure were the driving forces to make me go forward with the one thing that I was good at, or at least I felt so, which was music. I was going to ride that and I was going to say, you know what? I will show you that I am better than you think I am. I know I am inside. And this is the one thing the world is not going to take from me. And so that, that was my mentality, at least. It was me against the world. So anger and sadness helped you know, on a chip on your shoulder from all the things that you believed about yourself. It began to empower me to say, I'm, I'm going to prove it to you. And so that propelled me to make music. Um, and I, I did end up performing at a reasonably high level. But it never really, to answer your question about overcoming, Mike, I, I've never really overcome that. I built who I am as a man very much on top of that foundation, you know, learning to grow through the cracks, you know, plants grow great in the garden I'm looking at here, but plants can still bloom on the side of the freeway. We've all seen it pull up to a red light. There's a weed growing out of the cracks of the cement and it's flowering. I mean, it's not ideal, but and maybe this sounds melodramatic or I'm romanticizing it, but that's how I feel. Those scars are still there. The things I experienced are still there. It's just music gave me something. And the very last part of your question was, uh, how did I come about writing about people who passed away? Well, initially, um, I've been through a lot of death in my life. Uh, I'm not comparing myself to a soldier or anything. I mean, no disrespect to those who have, or EMTs or doctors, but from a young age, I, I started dealing with death pretty early. I uh, started losing people pretty early. Uh, ended up getting in a river rafting accident when I was about 16, 17 at a church camp. And we were advised not to go on the river, but you know, all of us did anyway. 
the boat turned over and I immediately realized I can swim, but I can't swim here. This is a different animal. And everybody in the boat was getting tossed. I got my head cut open real bad and um, <clears throat> I almost drowned. I was pulled out of the, the river, but I was in and out of consciousness. And then uh, as soon as I basically got my feet underneath me, we had to run and pull my counselor's body out of the water. and He was dead. And it was just us. It was just the kids. He was the only adult that was there with us. A couple of years later, my grandmother, who basically was the other parent in my life, died of a degenerative neurological condition. So at that point, those things had already been planted in my head. So I went on making music at a lower level and at a higher level. And then I realized I don't want to write about myself anymore. I don't like this. I'm, I'm never getting well from this. All I'm doing is digging up old pain. And so during the pandemic, I lost my job and I started writing the music for Stoneside after I would take long walks because I didn't have anything else to do. I was unemployed and I would walk to a cemetery um, down here. I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. And I realized, you know what? I'm more inspired to sing about the true stories of other people. And that way I can maybe get in their skin. And if I happen to express any of my pain let it be let it be through them let it let it be in sympathy with with maybe what they felt and then maybe then i can identify with that maybe it can help me maybe it can make me realize that i have it pretty good sorry for the long answer you you asked a very emotionally complicated question no dude you don't have to apologize at all crane <clears throat> and i'm I'm working uh, to be more concise at 34. I ask a lot of combo questions and I'm learning not to, and I, and I usually there's a lot of buildup and I, and I'm like, gosh, I don't want this to be like uh, you know, laborious for people uh, to listen to when I ask my long winded questions, but, but there's a lot, you know, but I just like to, I, I don't know, maybe that's comes from my childhood too. Like you oh. said, the things that we carry where it's like, I like to explain myself and sometimes maybe I feel yeah. like I do too much, but no, you don't, you don't have to apologize, man. One, I want to say sorry. Um, I'm genuinely sorry that you that you had to endure that. I, I can't imagine it. Um, I relate to not not the the death and pulling a, a dead body out of the water, and I I can't even imagine that experience as a teenager, especially. You know, you guys, man. You know, having that be the only adult there, it just I, I'm I'm so sorry, dude. Um, but I, I relate to um, the grandparent thing. Uh, it was actually my grandfather's birthday yesterday. Uh, I wear his necklace every day. I got a picture of him that I keep with me when I record these podcasts. I'm looking at him right now. Um, and uh, that was the same Grammy you mentioned at the beginning, right? Like the, the piano and everything. Um, so um, I, I can't, I, I, when, when that happens, man, it's tough, man. Even if you have them into being a teenager, um, you know, um, and it sounds like she was a real rock for you, man, but, um, but, but it's the good, the good that you carry from, from what they gave you, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, in a long way, I'm just saying, I'm sorry you had to go through all that, but you don't got to apologize for giving a long answer, man. It wasn't a, an emotionally heavy question. And like you said, at the beginning of this, you know, um, we all get into, I think a lot of people who are drawn to heavier music have those darker experiences, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of death early in life, but the, actually, ironically, this past year was was the most death I had experienced at any other singular year of my life. And on top of that, had had a, a lot of heartbreak from somebody who I, I thought 
um, I was going to go the distance with in my, my relationship and it ended all, you know, all ended very abruptly, but, but anyway, man, no, I, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that with me. And I'm, I'm sorry that you experienced, um, all of that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you s- survived and have been able to channel that into your music, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we hear a, a lot of the cliche about, you know, I don't know if it's Nietzsche or whoever said, like, whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger or, you know, evolve or die out, survival of the fittest, you know, these cliches, improvise, adapt, overcome, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. But for people who go through the fire of either mental illness or untimely death of somebody that they really cared about, um, <clears throat> you know, let's not bullshit ourselves. Let's, let's, t- let's say the truth. Yes, we do grow from it. I feel like people grow the most from being placed into things where they simply can't tap out. Like if you have an autoimmune disease or, you know, a lover leaves you in your case where you really felt like, man, I felt like this was my person. Those are the kind of things that when you come out the other side, yes, you evolved because you had to. But it doesn't mean that you escape the fire without scar tissue. You know, it, do, it doesn't mean we come out the other side healed. It means that we come out the other side tougher. And if we play our cards right and we are destroyed by those experiences, you hope you come out the other side more empathetic, maybe even softer along with tougher, if that makes any sense. More, more loving more understanding of those who are going through something small but your podcast focuses on overcoming things i think we need to at least i feel like i need to acknowledge that hey i know to everybody out there that has been through things absolutely continue to rise above i have that tattooed on my back in giant letters for a reason but your pain you know it might still be there it might still hurt i just i just want to, to speak that to people there might be a little piece of that always within us, you, me, um, your listeners, but it doesn't mean that we cannot thrive. And again, I'm sorry to go off the rails. I just feel like that was something I really wanted to say that, you know, we will overcome. But the memories might be there, and that's okay. But that's a separate thing we have to learn to deal with. No, you don't got to apologize at all, Crane. I think that was very beautifully put, man. I mean, like I, I've debated um, when I got back into this in the, in the pandemic, you know, how much of myself to share on this show. And then I eventually got to the point where I was like, you know, I got to be vulnerable because I want to relate to people and I still go through it too. Um, I was getting a little nervous before this conversation. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes I just get anxious about being anxious. Um and I think a lot of the things that I went through in this last year, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but, you know, I tend to go inward when I go through traumatic stuff. I tend to be yes, very reclusive and retreat, and I can spend a lot of time in my own little world up in my head, man. And um, But sometimes that isolation starts to mess with you. And as much as I enjoy my alone time, I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. Um, I, I, I think that that's kind of... Um, I, I relate to what you're saying, you know, and even though this podcast is, is very much about overcoming it, it's also like, I'm, like you said, I, I still have that, that scar tissue. Um, well, I still have those anxiety issues and I, and I work through them. Like I'm in therapy. I'm not afraid <clears throat> to talk about 
my therapist John is a is a great guy and he's helped me with that, you know what I mean um but no I think it's a very salient point that you made which is that it's okay to not be okay um yeah I think it's just a matter of each and every day waking up and and learning to to love yourself and forgive yourself and forgive other people you know forgive yourself for the work in progress yeah the mistakes you've made the mistakes well maybe other people have made you know I just feel like it's important for your listeners and, and also for you and I to remember that it's okay to mourn those pieces of you. As if we're speaking from the masculine perspective of society, um, it is okay. It's okay to mourn those things. When people tell you to suck it up, a lot of the time they mean that in love. You know, if they didn't care, they wouldn't even care enough to say that to you. But Again, the scars remain, and it's okay to feel that loss. And, you know, I think you and I, I'm actually, I can only speak for myself, so I'm sorry. But especially over the last five years, I've gone through things that, my God, you know, I've tried, I've tried to return to who I was, but I'm just not the same person. But it's opened a lot of more doors for me. I can tell you right now, 100%, I would not have the ability to write the music for Stone Side had I not gone through everything I have over the past five years or so. It simply was not going to be within me. That door would never have been unlocked unless I had become incredibly uncomfortable. And I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to create this because I would be too scared. I would be too scared to go for it both musically, you know, being more experimental. I'd be like, no one's going to like that. You can't play these instruments in this song. This part is too long. Um, what do you have to do? Guitars to purple. You know, I mean, so it becomes this kamikaze pilot mentality, at least for me musically, where all of a sudden the strings that had me tied to more traditional songwriting and feeling like, oh, you can't do this in music. You shouldn't do that. And this is not genre appropriate. All of that fucking shit just went away to, to a large extent. Because the mentality became any place but here, Crane, any place but here, meaning nothing could be more uncomfortable than what I had been through, more or less. And so at that point, you just kind of become more, you know what, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. Um, And you just go for things more because you're like, you know what, I'm uncomfortable a good chunk of the time because of what happened to me. So I'm just going to be more experimental. I'm going to take more chances. I'm going to live more life. I guess that would compare it to the idea if somebody became terminally ill and they were on borrowed time that they said, you know, fuck it. I'm going to take what money I have. I'm done working until my last breath. And I'm going to do the things that I always wanted to do. And I'm going to do them fearlessly. That the pain that we speak of and that you talk about on this podcast and overcoming the byproduct for me of that suffering was it opened up huge creative flood and it's the most proud I've ever been of anything I have ever created in my entire life by far. If I had not hurt, I would not have come to this place that allows me to make the music that I do now. And it's made me really deeply satisfied in a way that I really haven't been for most of my life. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that it's it's led you to that place, man. And it's actually inspiring to hear, you know. Um, 
because I feel like I'm, I'm at the cusp of exactly what you're talking about as far as like, I've been in sort of this floating state, um, this past year, you know, where you're kind of like, some days you feel like you're going through the motions. Some days you feel numb. Some days you feel really sad. Um, and, and this podcast has really been something I've been able to turn to. This has been my creative outlet, much like your music is for you, you know, but there's still things that, um, as far as opening up my heart again and being willing to, to date and, uh, take chances in terms of even this podcast and trying to grow it and make it bigger where that old, you know, that old fear comes in where it's like, well, what if you fail? What if you have a panic attack? You know, you get your own show or something and then you, 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 you vomit and then it's a, it becomes a viral, you know, all these irrational fears that I have, like, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm on the cusp of what it sounds like you have gotten to the other side of, which is just going, you know what, nothing is, nothing can be as, as awful as all the stuff that I just went through. So why not just take chances? Well, kind of crazy that um, you, you, you put it in that way. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on the, the edge of that as, as a thought, you know, <laughs> a thought came to me when you were saying that, which is, um, you know what it probably did though, Mike is I went through a similar thing. Uh, a couple of them actually, um, with your, your significant other, my thought was maybe maybe one of the upsides could be that now you know maybe a little bit more about what you would like in your future, um, your future partner. You know, like, you know what? I thought I liked that, but it turns out this is really what I needed. Or maybe I needed somebody that was willing to go more through the fire with me the way I would have for them. Whatever the discrepancy was, like, you know, I've come out of relationships and it helped me understand, you know what? What I thought I wanted in somebody else was not what I want. It was actually an illusion. It was kind of unhealthy for me. And it might be a blessing in disguise. And now I know a little bit more emotionally about the kind of person that I work well with. Or if they're the one who broke up with you, time for you to think about, well, why? You know, that can be a painful experience, both from them leaving you, but also from the exploration or even the misplaced exploration of saying, God, was this my fault? What could I have done differently? But I think there is a lot of good that can come out of that. And I'm not just pulling smoke up anybody's ass. Like that is a ridiculous time to grow and possibly go to a path that might lead you to the person who truly does love you and is dedicated to you or vice versa. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that, um, you know, um, and, and going through that and, and you know, and, and again, I'm not saying this from a, from a victim perspective. I'm just being real here. We're both just being real vulnerable dudes here. Like, um, and it, it's, you know, obviously you can relate, man, like um, to have that on top of it. Um, there were people around me dying. One of my best friends, uh, his dad passed away. Um, I did a podcast with a guy who I knew was terminal, uh, with cancer, um, wow. a friend of my stepdad's, uh, who had a lot of really cool musical experiences in his life. And that was one of the things that he wanted to do before he died was record a podcast and he got me in touch with them. And it was, it's heavy to talk to somebody and you know, they're going to die, you know? Um, and unfortunately he passed away before that episode came out in November. His name was Keith Wagen. Um, he used to do music photography and, um, was a good dude, man, had a lot of cool experiences. And 
in a weird way, that episode ended up being kind of a tribute for him and his family. And you, if you got him on record before you passed away, right? What's that? You got him on the podcast on record, his words before he passed away, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, well, then I'd say, honestly, Mike, in that way, we've done the same thing, have we not? You you frozen a moment in time that can be listened to long after he's gone. And you know what I mean? You're resurrecting his thoughts and ideas. I mean, wouldn't you say we, we've both captured moments in time? We didn't have to do these things, you know? I'm not calling us saviors, but I'm saying, you know, people don't always record these stories and these histories. Even in today's day and age, you know, a couple generations go by and all the stories are forgotten and everything is, is left. Those stories and those man's work, that man's words could have been lost forever. But thanks to you, thanks to your podcast, maybe this sounds dramatic, but he's essentially immortalized, right? If they can hear the technology, if they can hear the words on whatever medium it's just now or in the future, I mean, heck, you've already given something amazing, haven't you? I mean, I hope you identify with that as being something worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, when you when when you put it like that, I mean, it's um, it is it is, you know, powerful. I, I never look at myself on the the same level as the musician in the work that you guys do, but at the same, I always kind of look at myself as sort of like a, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Kind of the middleman between you know people's stories and sharing them with the world. But um, but yeah, when you put it like that, I mean, I I think that is that is powerful, and I appreciate the kind words, man. And and actually, I you know couple of members of his family reached out to me after the fact and it, and it felt it felt good to give them something like that um but it, it's also you know you know and again you can relate it's it's just heavy when somebody's not there anymore you know what i mean so sure, i mean you, I'd, I'd like to think voices that, from the voices the ghosts right yeah yeah you know and i and i'd like to think that he um you know wherever he is now that he was able to you know, get it somehow, you know, and maybe that sounds cheesy to some people, but I, I, no, no. we're all energy. And I feel like, um, whether people are still here physically or not, we can still feel them. Uh, and with that, I, I, you know, if it's okay, man. And, um, and I know we're getting up against time here and thanks again, Crane so much for your time, but sure. to, with that, is it cool, um, to revisit your grandma? And the only reason I say that is because my grandpa's heavy on my mind because his birthday was yesterday. And I'm looking at a picture of him and you talked about in the beginning how, you know, you, you have the piano memory, right? Um, obviously I don't want to revisit the pain of her, of her death with you, but. No, I'm, I'm totally okay with it now. But, but just in terms of the memory of, um, of her and the role she played in your life and even in, in your music, man, can, can you take me back to, to what you do remember from playing the piano with her in the beginning, whether it's songs or just uh, the love and support that she showed you in your, in her life, because it sounds like she played a really important role. And, uh, and like I said, my grandpa played an important role for me, you know, so I just thought it might be cool to, to revisit that since you, you brought that up as being kind of one of those moments in your life that was um, kind of a tipping point as far as, as, as her death. But, you know, also I think maybe retrospectively now the role that she played in your life, man. Sure. Um, first off, for your listeners, if you hear screaming in the background, no one's dying. I have a little I have a little foster baby that I'm looking after. Um, he's a little noisy peanut, but he's super cool. Actually, on the note, you want to talk about finding life outside of your own sadnesses. Man, being forced into the role of like a foster dad and knowing what he came from versus what I went through. Also, 
want to make sure that I, I emphasize pain is, is relative, you know, like you don't have to come from what these poor kids went through, you know, parents being drug addicts or beating you to be in pain. Like our pain is valid. But yeah, just as a side note, man, that'll really put it in perspective, dude. So to the listeners, sorry if you hear squeals. They are human squeals. Um, as far as answering your question goes, it's funny you should bring it up. So on their new record, um, I recorded a song called Dirt Road, and it most likely will probably end the record. And I wasn't sure how to speak this. It's about my grandmother and my relationship. And it's actually kind of about what would you think of me now after some of the bad things that I went through after you passed. And um, I was on the second verse and I just, for some reason, I couldn't find the notes. I couldn't find the words. I had the music written. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go back through what I have of my grandmother and I'm going to see if I can be inspired by anything. Well, it didn't take too long before I stumbled onto um, an old voice message that she left um, on like the good old fashioned answering machine talking about happy birthday. I love you. I miss you. Um, I wish I could give you a big hug and a big kiss. And it's her voice. And instead, I put her whole voice over the second verse. And so it's I'm never going to do that song live. There's just. I'm not going to do it because that part just gets to me too much. But as far as the positive she played in my life, she stepped in in the role of a dad, whether she knew it or not. First off, she helped my mother. You know, I was a fucking handful, Mike. Like, I was a handful for anybody I would have been, let alone for a single mom who was fighting her own emotional and chemical battles. My grandmother was more stoic. She was from the Depression era. She was sweet. She was tender. She was a caregiver. But she didn't have to have that many words. It was in this calming presence that I just felt, you know what? She's the head of our clan. She's the machine head. And you would feel that whenever all of her children would come around. Her husband, my grandfather, died of lung cancer two weeks after he finally quit smoking. Just that kind of ironic thing where it was some of the hardest things he ever did. And then he had uh, malignant carcinoma. So she had been alone for a while. And she really, I think, delved into us, the grandchildren. And the legacy of my grandfather was he was an astronomically good musician. And so she kept his piano in the front room. And it was by this window where this dim light would come in. And there were all these kind of darker greens and purple hues in the room. And she kind of decorated it with peacock feathers. And so I have this kind of calming musical memory that I associate with her. And it's bittersweet, but it's beautiful. And, you know, when I would sit down and touch those keys, you know, she's the one who facilitated that. When I was staying at her house, she just let me go on that piano for as long as I wanted. You know, I mean, I know other members of my family, including, you know, my father, when I was younger, when he did pick us up, you know, he'd tell me to, you know, get off that. It's too loud. It's too noisy. And, uh, you know, scream at us. Um, but not grandmother. She just let me be who I was. And uh, I always remembered wanting to hug her and then turning around and hugging her again and hugging her again until it was like a joke. 
and she would end up giving this quiet kind of sweet laugh. There was just this strength, but this beauty, this femininity. I would spend the night at her house when I was a little boy and I would wake up in her bed and she'd already be up and I would breathe in through my nose and I would smell bacon and I would get up and I would walk all the way into the kitchen and she would say good morning to me and there would always be, you know, like cream of wheat she would make. And, you know, we have a lot of foods down here, pretty specific, a lot of Southern foods. She'd have them all out and ready for me and she would say good morning. And no matter what was going on in my life, whether I was scared, even when I was being bullied, when I was missing my father and needing that masculinity so badly in my life, that, there was such love in that moment. And perhaps I've romanticized these things, but they did happen. And they were formative parts of my childhood, which was a chaotic one. So for me, my grandmother represented the old guard, saying what you mean, meaning what you say doing nice things for no other reason than that's what's on your heart, taking care of those who can't take care of themselves in this kind of, this kind of respectful manner that she carried herself with. Long story short, um, obviously it gets longer, so I apologize. I just associated her with something from the past, this do-it-yourself stoicism, you know, where you can be strong, you know, you can be powerful, you can be stoic, but you can be loving, you can be tender. She was reserved, but I never questioned her love for me and my sister. I just knew it. She would have never had to say, I love you. I just knew it. And she did say she loved us. But with her and my mother, they really filled in the gaps of an absent and, you know, it's sometimes extremely degrading father. Uh, and so when she passed away, I had really just become a man. I had just started doing music live. And, uh, you know, she wouldn't have been into it. It was so vicious when I was young, but I wish she could have seen me play. You know, I wish she could have seen, you know, seen me do these big shows, see me in front of the crowd and just be able to point to her and smile and wink at her and just make her laugh, you know. And, um, uh, it was just something that always stuck with me. I never really mourned her death visibly. My mom even made a snide comment about it one time. And I just told her, you know, I kind of snapped and I was like, I do with things in my own way. But it wasn't until years later after I had played those bigger shows and I imagined her being there, like it finally got to me. It started to make me sad. And so I think that in pulling... Ishmael's body from the water, you know, other things that happened to me, um, near-death experiences more than once. I think those things gave me a fascination with death, but also the clarity that it can bring. The recognition that your time is finite. You know, the recognition that you're going to lose someone you love at some point. And what do you do with that? How do you immortalize them? When you look in the mirror, do you see your mother? Do you see your father? Do you see your best friend? You see somebody who took their life. And for me, it became, I'm going to sing about them. I don't want to sing about my experiences anymore. Like I said before, it's never gotten me anywhere. Screaming and yelling and pussy aching about miseries in my own life. Like, yeah, I respect that. But the only time I began to come out of my misery, even the slightest bit, 
was one I gave to others. And it sounds, again, like a cliche, but, you know, maybe I'm late to the party that actually giving a fuck about other people is the best thing you can do for your own mental health. Giving to those whose stories can't be heard, whether it's the disadvantaged, in my case, little children, foster kid, or telling stories of those who otherwise would be forgot. Like on the desert, there is a lot of stories that are three generations old. The only reason I know them was because I got them out of my other grandmother before she died. No one else knew those, you know? She was never gonna say them, not that generation. It is in those moments that I found something beautiful for myself. I would recommend that others also delve into that, being, being more, I don't know, selfless, even if it hurts to give. It's been a really unique experience. That's really well said, Grain, and I, and I thank you for sharing those those memories of uh, of your grandmother, man. I really uh, I really appreciate that, and and I know the listeners will too. Um, and and before we wrap it up, man, and thank you again so much for your time, because I know I told you I'd only keep you an hour, and, and we're still here, and I know you've got kids and a family, and it's the weekend, so there's just a couple other things I want to ask you, but staying on that with Stoneside and sharing the stories of the dead and the stories of other generations, I I I totally agree with you hundred percent. I think that's important. And, you know, carrying on their memory and telling, telling their legacy, even if it, even if it's painful, because it's important. Um, and I'm also glad that you've found a lot of purpose through doing that, you know, and, and found it to be very cathartic and it comes out in the music. Um, I don't know who was giving you crap about your voice before, cause I think it sounds awesome and I'm not just blowing smoke. It's very, like I said, I, I literally wrote down ethereal, vast, cinematic otherworldly dreamscape those were the the adjectives that i wrote down to describe the music and i really love it and i also read on instagram that you're uh, oh you're welcome man um the name stoneside because i always have a fascination with band names and how people come up with them um and i'm sure the listeners have it too and i'll let you tell the story but it was actually your son right who who you got the name stoneside from yeah so i have a, a, a really little boy and um, so he's, he's my biological kiddo. And during the pandemic, again, when I lost my job, um, I would start going on these walks. And I just wanted to kind of explore this kind of almost country place that I had moved to. So I would go walking and I walked to this old cemetery, like I said. Well, one day I had taken my son with me just to get like a workout. I carried him. I needed to try to stay in shape instead of eating everything I had out of depression and boredom from losing my job. And we get to the cemetery. A lot of people probably think, wow, it's really morbid to bring your son to the cemetery. But I simply don't view it as that. So I sat him down and he asked me, are the dead people or the spirits inside of these? And he touched the headstone, you know, the gravestone. And I said, no, baby. And I wanted to be careful how I answered. I didn't necessarily want to say under the ground, you know, to scare him. But I, I said, you know, they just live on around here. And, you know, their spirits live, their energy is forever, both, you know, metaphysically, but also, uh, you know, scientifically, Mike, right? I mean, you can't destroy our atoms. We've existed forever and we never really die. But, you know, <laughs> that's a conversation for when he's an astrophysicist, I guess. But, he touched the headstone and he said, are they in here? And I said, no, they're, they're just around here. This is a memorial to them. And he said, huh, so they're not in here? And I said, no, 
and he nodded. And then he paused for a second. And he said, well, they're on the stone side now. And uh, I don't know, just, yeah, I don't know. I had already written the first song and I was like, God, man, thank you, little boy. Thank you. Because that's exactly what captured what I wanted to capture was that that word. His hand on the tombstone saying they're on the stone side. And it's the difference between me standing here conscious and organic and then being somewhere else. And us communicating through a shared past or a story. And I, I owe that to my little boy. Yeah, that's that's really powerful, man. And and what a what a bright young mind, you know what I mean? It's uh sometimes kids I feel like can connect with um not sometimes, I feel like a lot of times because they're innocent and there's I was just listening to a podcast the other day, you know, um, with Tom DeLong. And like you said, the the space stuff, I mean, he's obviously into that. And a lot of people, I think, were throwing a lot of shade at him for a while. And then it ends up coming out, all the stuff, UFOs, I digress. But um, but he was talking a lot about energy and all the things you're talking about and consciousness, how we perceive time and spirituality and tying that all back to your son and the story you're sharing about the band name. It's... um. I just feel like kids can tap into things, man, that we can't. And I don't know if it's because we're older and we're, we're cynical, but I just feel like there's an energy there um, that they can articulate things <clears throat> with their brains um, and their energy that, that we, we can't a lot of times as adults, they're, they're tapped into something that, um, you know, our antennas just aren't tuned to because there's so many other distractions and, years worth of all kinds of other things cloud in our minds, you know? So the fact that he was able to kind of connect with it in that way, it's really powerful. And like you said, some people might go, Oh gosh, going to a cemetery. That's weird. But, but really it's only weird because I think we make things weird. You Society know? is so, so absolutely Mike. I think we all know it. Like we don't celebrate death for an obvious reason, except in some cultures, you know, I mean, you look at Dia de los Muertos and it's like, okay, we literally have a festival in Mexico, Day of the Dead. You know, like this doesn't have to be this thing we don't talk about. I don't remember before I was born and I won't remember when I pass away. And guess what? Most likely I will have been through worse experiences than my life than simply closing my eyes and drifting into whatever is next. It doesn't have to be this uncomfortable conversation. Everybody listening to this podcast is essentially immortal. There's no denying that. You've always been here and your energy will always be here. It's just either more dense or less dense. There's no end. There's no end to any of us. There's no need to be scared. Just leave a good impact while we're here. I've done a lot of fucking up and, and maybe you have too. So I just want to make the next part of my life a little more about living some kind of a legacy or a lasting impact. And even if the ripples don't go very far after I die, at least leaving a ripple. Agreed, man. Agreed. And that's well put. Um, and, and before I let you go, Crane, um, and I won't keep you too much longer, man, because I know I'm already over time, but I, I did want to touch on, um, I did want to touch on God of the mountain, man. Um, you know, for people who maybe aren't aware, um, even though I, I'm going to put all of it in the, the podcast description as far as, you know, you being based in Texas and whatnot. Um, all your songs, like you said, have meaning and they they deal with death. They deal with the stories of people who have passed on. But um, that one was 
particularly heart wrenching, um, you know, given given what happened in Uvalde. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but but God of the Mountains a tribute to to everybody who lost their lives and and, and even the survivors who went through that terrible experience, the teachers and stuff. Um, the music video is very powerful. Uh, the part uh, where it starts to get particularly angry, the the colors in the music video actually shift to red, which uh, I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, it goes from like blue to to red. Um, I'm I'm assuming to to um, to signify the anger. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, again, I don't want to rant too much, and and maybe it's it's too heavy a place to to end the conversation. But um, I want to thank you for for again using your music to express emotions that a lot of people I think are whether they were involved in it, whether they live in Texas like you do or not. I mean, our, our whole country has felt this, and we could go on a whole nother conversation about, um, you know, just why these things keep happening and what we can do about it. And I know for, for me, the powerlessness that, that you feel with stuff like that, and then we just had another tragedy in Highland Park. But anyway, um, the positive of it, I, I like you said, is carrying the memory and and i know that's a really powerful song and you guys just put that out on on the 24th and i think the music video just came out maybe like a week and a half ago as of recording this in mid-july so um having kids man uh, of your own and, and i know you shared a little bit on stonesides instagram page about just trying to even wrap your head around being a parent if that was your child's school but can you just talk to the people a little bit about god of the mountain and you know the music video and just um you know i guess just any thoughts that that you have that you that you want to impart on 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 people um and again i know that's a heavy loaded question because it's a to to, to put it mildly what happened there was awful and heavy and it's terrible and tragic um but at the same time i think you made a good point um a little bit ago about being able to immortalize these things in in song and uh, music is definitely something that can help people heal man Huh. Um, another thing about podcasts is the stream of consciousness, right? You might stumble over your words. You might say something that people take the wrong way, but this is the most honest form of conversation, right? This isn't edited. So if, if my words come out clumsy here, it's because you're the first person who's asked me this question. So I'm going to try uh, my best to be succinct in my thoughts here. Um, I guess people need to understand a little context as far as where I come from, which is Texas. All of my guys are Texas guys. And while we are very much proud of who we are, there's a ferocious independence in the Lone Star State. A lot of people make fun of it, but when you get down here, when you come from where we've come from, you'll understand it's an intrinsic part of our culture. Unfortunately, with that ferocious independence also seems to come a distrust of the other. So the gun culture in Texas is also extremely dug into our history. We talk about the Alamo. We talk about, you know, basically going out on your shield. And uh, so when we get talking about Second Amendment rights, Texas is kind of ground zero for that kind of talk. The song God of the Mountain um, was actually written a couple of days before Uvalde even happened, which a lot of people, I don't think they know that. It was just within a couple of days of finishing, boom, here we fucking go again. Another another mentally ill young man has fallen through the fucking cracks. The system is not taking care of him. The system of gun control has not done adequate research before giving this young man access to a firearm. 
Whether he got it from somebody else is irrelevant. Okay. And here we go. Um, another series of unfortunate murder that will be used by both political parties to fit their own means to an end. I own guns. So do the guys in my band. Um, for the most part. But I am not going up here full NRA. I'm not, you know, the libs are coming to take our rifles from us. You have to be armed. The government is against us. It's, it's not it. Um, you know, I mean, most of my guys I'd call us radical centrists. Um, this is not a political song. It's just a song talking about the power of a firearm in the hands of somebody who's unstable and how their discomfort and pain finally mapped out onto others. And now the world will never be the same. One destroyed young man, one injured young man mentally, physically, one broken person took matters into their hands and now has created a generational ripple of pain. The dead children, the lives it will change and the parents of the dead children forever. Their siblings will grow up with these memories. You, you're, you're, you're creating a butterfly effect. And while there might be some good that comes out of it, in the immediacy of the aftermath, we all know it's mostly pain. It's confusion. And it's huge amounts of rage. And I wanted to try to channel that in that music video. And it was hard. Um, taking my shirt off during the video thing was hard. But... Um, I wanted it to be raw. I wanted to confront my insecurities. I wanted to be uncomfortable and angry when we filmed that part. So I felt that it was one of those things that would make me more ferocious and more uncomfortable so that I could express, the, again, the rage of a killer, but also the rage of the parents. So I tried to make it succinct, and I failed you, Mr. Bauman. And that's all I got, man. I'm sorry again for the rant. I keep saying that, and yet I keep going on these long esoteric descriptions. Oh no, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't fail me at all, Crane. Um, and you didn't. You didn't fail the listeners again. I, I think that's well put. And um, I, I've. It's weird, man. I feel like uh, I. I relate to you a lot. Um, it's. 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 It's strange, but in a beautiful way. Uh, that. That somehow the universe brought us together in this conversation because I feel like. Um, we have a lot of common threads well, um, in, in our thought processes and our in our answers. And even tell your listeners how we even we even came to know of each other's respective works, like because it's kind of a a quick social media interesting story. Do you want to do you want to tell how we came in contact with each other's stuff? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've really been geeking out over the band Mood Ring. Um, who uh, I discovered somehow through a Spotify wormhole. Um, of my love for Deftones and um, I, I, Deftones turned me on the loathe. And then I think somehow I stumbled across their, their EP um, a few months back and then their album Stargazer just came out. And I actually have been um, trying without being a punisher, as Jamie Josta would say, and being a pest um, to, to see if I can get um, Hunter, their, their singer uh, on the podcast. Uh, but I know they've had touring and then they got COVID and, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But anyway, um, so hopefully that'll happen in the near future. Put that out there in the universe. Um, um, but anyway, um, but yeah. So I commented um, on one of the posts that Mood Ring made about their album, and then Crane DM'd me, 
and said, Hey man, if you like mood ring, uh, check out, check out, you know, the stuff that we're doing. And I saw the DM and I'm like stone side. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of, that's like kind of a dope name. I, I dig it. And then I checked out the music and immediately, man. Um, and I don't even think I've shared this with you yet, but immediately I was, I was into it. I was like, yo, this is really, this is like all the stuff that I love as far as that kind of music. Very, like I said, ethereal, dreamscapey, atmospheric, but also really heartfelt, you know, and there would be moments um, for, and, you know, for people who listen to this, you, you're probably a fan of Stone Side. And if you're not, definitely check it out, especially if you mess with my show. I have a lot of heavy bands on here, but, um, you know, you go, you guys go through these beautiful um atmospheric moments and then really heavy percussive moments and i and and it's balanced really beautifully and then when i saw the meaning behind the music um and sharing the stories of the dead like at first i i i didn't know with the imagery and everything of the masks and whatnot i was like i was like i don't know maybe maybe crane is clairvoyant and he's speaking through you know i there was all kinds of things that i was like i don't i don't you know and i just kept listening to the music and so um, learning more about the songs. And then, you know, we shared a couple DMS before the conversation got going. And obviously now we, we, we know about your story crane, but, uh, but yeah, that's how it came together. So I actually, I'm glad that you asked me to share that story because, um, there is a lot of vitriol, uh, and division in the United States right now. Um, and even the world COVID is, I, I it's destructed so many things. Um, but social media has actually been really positive for me. I'm kind of an old man in a 34 year old man's body. I didn't get on Instagram until June of 2020. And it's led me to a lot of awesome human beings like you, man. And um, so I'm glad that you DM'd me. I'm glad that I commented on that post. Cause a lot of times I like stuff and I don't take the time to, to comment. <laughs> so I'm glad that I did. And that you were reading the comments because um, I think the universe brought us together in a really cool way, man. Well, interestingly enough, um, we were, we had a potential to be on that, Kane Island Mood Ring show. We were going to potentially be the opener, and uh, once that, once we ended up not getting that slot, uh, you know, I'd already had, I'd already been a fan of Kane Hill. I was going to try to get Elijah on the record, actually, and and I had just discovered Mood Ring once we looked like we were going to get that show in New Orleans, uh, which is, I believe, Kane Hill's hometown. And then, um, yeah, so it ended, up, it ended up not happening. But at that point, I um, I delved into Mood Ring a little bit, and uh, I ended up seeing your comment and then looking at your page, and really what got me was just your initial mission statement on your Instagram uh, about the idea of overcoming. And just, again, I have the word rise tattooed on my back, and uh, for a reason, rise above the things that you know are trying to take you down. As soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is new ground. I don't know any podcast is talking about these things. And it's also a fucking beautiful message. And so as soon as I saw that also, I was like, okay, this guy's dope. So here we are. Well, thank you again for the kind words, man. And, um, of course. thank I, you for what you do. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. I appreciate it. And I, I've gone 20 minutes over now, so I'm going to wrap you're it good. up, but I, I will leave you with, um, when I was coming back into this, cause the show used to be Bomb's breakdown way back in the day. And then when I, when I wanted to rebrand it and really go for it and be consistent and hold myself accountable to it, not be afraid and face my fears. And, and, you know, I have this desire to really connect with people. Um, 
my birthday is actually March 4th. And so I, I, I took the you out of it and wanted to make it a personal mantra because it's something I try to do in my life. I beat myself up a lot about my fears and my insecurities, all the things that we've been talking about in this conversation, man. And so this, this podcast is very cathartic for me. Uh, and these conversations help not only remind myself that it's possible to overcome and it inspires me, but my, my hope and my goal is that it inspires the listeners can, and connect with them. And my ultimate goal for this is I, I hope it gets big enough so that one day um, I can do live shows, even though that'll be scary for me a little bit. I've been on camera before, but um, not with all eyes on me um, and uh, doing high school games and stuff. But I, I really I hope it gets big enough that I can do like live shows and connect with people in, in a live format with artists and the business owners and people that I have my show and people like yourself, man. And, and try to tie it in some way to a charitable function. So like if people pay five bucks to show up, the, the artists that I have on the show, we donate every dollar to, you know, whatever a cause that they're choosing is. Um, and that's awesome. I want it to be a positive ripple effect like that. So that's, that's my eventual, eventual goal for this is, is to get big enough to where it would be um, – uh, on a large enough scale and, and popular enough that I could do live shows, maybe not every show, but be able be able to do it in that way. Um, so yeah, man, um, I really appreciate you um, taking the time to do the pod and the fact that you connected with it instantly. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. If if somebody wanted to, <laughs> to throw me some Joe Rogan money and I could do this for a living, uh, I would. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. I wouldn't hesitate. So I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and not put that out in the universe. I would, I would love to do this for a living because I, I, I love doing it that much. And it, it would be amazing to make a passion uh, into a career. And, and I'm sure you have, or maybe you don't, but you know, if you have those aspirations as a musician to be able to make a, a profit and live off of what you love, I've, um, but give I've been down that road before and it's, um, yeah, if it, if it presents itself again, then I'll go there. But, um, I'm, I'm, I've long since stopped thinking about, you know, I'm going to be on stage and do this and do that. It's just, just follow my heart, telling stories, whatever will be, will be. That's, I think that's a great place to end it, man. And, and I, and I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I think, um, and it's, again, it's crazy that you keep saying this stuff with energy and the universe and stuff. It's like giving me chills because I, I've even been reading stuff like that recently. Like, don't worry about how things happen or when they'll happen. Just lay, lay the groundwork and live in love and, and let the chips fall where they may and believe in yourself. So, well, Crane, this has been awesome, man. I kept you almost a half hour over and you've got kids and a baby in the house. Um, but I just want to, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and again, I'm sorry. I hope it doesn't seem like I've been uh, abusive of your time. Um, I just, I not just, at all. I just thought um, it, it was- I'm one overtaxed guy. Let's just say that I'm <laughs> burn, burning a million candles or if I ain't stay busy, I'm getting into trouble, Mike. So it's for the best. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I, I just, I thought it was important to touch on God of the mountain at the end, but I just want to say, man, um, even though I don't know you, I feel like I've known you forever from this conversation. Sometimes you meet people and it's like, wow. Like, um, and again, I don't want to be more abusive than your time than I already have been stealing 20 more minutes from you than I said I was going to be almost a half hour now with me continuing to rant. But um, I just want to commend you, man, for, you know, um, turning your darkness in, into light in terms of, um, 
your music and being able to find a healthy outlet for all the things that you've been through in your life, man. And on top of that, being a foster parent um, and taking in kids who, who, you know, aren't biologically yours, um, especially after, you know, you were, you know, neglected um, in a lot of ways as a child, man. I think um, there's so many other ways it could have gone for you. And I think that shows the heart that you have, brother. So um, I commend you for all of that. Thank you so much for your time. I will put the links in the podcast description, but for people who aren't aware of Stoneside, um, let them know where they can find you, man. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. That's kind of our home base. It is um, uh, Stoneside underscore music. And you can find us on Twitter at Stoneside3. And again, on Facebook at um, Stoneside underscore music. And as far as the records go, you can find our first record and second record on all streaming services. And um, you can find us also with Blood Blast. We just signed a deal with Blood Blast Distribution. So they have some playlists via Nuclear Blast that we were added to. So you can catch our new stuff there as well. Sweet. Well, Crane, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And again, I apologize for, for keeping you over a half hour. But Nah, man, we're having a conversation. These things flow. No apology necessary. This is this is what it's about, right, Mike? Yeah, man. Yeah. And let's and I mean that. I say it to all my guests and I mean it. And um, that's been another beautiful thing about this podcast is, is not just, you know, content, you know, for my show or for hoping hopefully getting your music out to more people but really the relationships that have come from this and staying in touch with people and i re- i really mean that man let's keep in touch um i mean it with all my guests but for for real man i um i feel like i connected with you on a level on this thing and i'm not even saying it to be weird man that's so it's almost kind of like a trippy energy thing but in a really good way and um nah man i mike i'll, <laughs> I'll speak like all texans do and tell you that i don't play lip service i don't say things like hey we'll do lunch and then never talk to you again no nah, man I- you're an ally to me now. I'm sure we will have conversations. Yeah, man. Well, go enjoy the rest of your night. Uh, hopefully you can get back those 30 minutes. <laughs> those 30 minutes I kept just somehow, some way, man. But thank you so much for the time, Crane, and uh, for everything you're doing, man. I- I'm really digging Stoneside, and um, I'm really, really, really proud of where-, where you're getting to, and it's inspiring to me, and I know it'll be inspiring for the listeners, man. So have a great rest of the weekend, and let's definitely keep in touch, brother. You got it, Mikey. Have a good night, brother. You too, man. All righty, Dighty. There you have it. That was my conversation with Crane from Stoneside. Make sure you go follow Stoneside on Instagram at Stoneside underscore music. The link will be in the podcast description for this episode. So just scroll to the bottom of that, hit that link follow these guys on IG to stay up to date with everything they've got going on. Please check out their albums, The Water and The Desert. If you love heavy music, I really think you're going to enjoy these guys. And even if you aren't into heavy music, I hope that you give them a chance, man. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm always interested in, in discovering new stuff with music. I, I My cup is never full. I'm always interested in checking out new artists, not just in heavy music, but all across the spectrum. And I, I really try to give give that to you guys on this podcast as well. But uh, it's it's authentic music, and even though uh, the the music at times, obviously heavy music, does have an abrasive quality to it, and lyrically, obviously Crane is touching on some pretty heavy stuff, but it's very authentic, and it comes from the heart, as you guys heard in that conversation. And to me, that is the kind of music that I like to roll with, man, is stuff that is authentic and comes from the heart, and Stoneside definitely is authentic and comes from the heart, man. So once again, 
follow them on Instagram at Stoneside underscore music. I just want to say, Crane, thank you again so much, man, for taking the time to do the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. I meant every word I said about staying in touch, and I, I really do feel like you're a kindred soul, my guy. Even though we have different life experiences and we come from different parts of the United States, um, I just feel like that soul connection with you, man, and I hope that doesn't sound weird at all, but... Um, you know, I, I related to a lot of, of what we talked about and I, it just, it really felt like, it really felt like sitting around like a, you know, a bonfire with, with my friends and just having a conversation that, you know, isn't, um, limited by being in the workplace or being in some type of setting where people feel like they can't express themselves. I really feel like we had just an open, honest, real discussion and that felt really good, man. And that's what I try to do here on, on March 4th is just have, real honest talks with real people and cover, you know, the darkness to get to the light, you know, persevering and moving forward. So it makes me really thankful that the universe brought us together, man. And that, uh, my comment on that mood ring post on IG is what, what got you to, to see my page and ultimately get this, get this conversation in the books, man. So it's definitely not going to be the last time that I have you on. And I just, I think it's really admirable that, you've become the the man that you are today after everything that you've been through and that you've found a, a healthy outlet to channel all those feelings in your music and have, and have found music that's meaningful to you in terms of speaking the stories of the dead and the people who aren't here anymore, man. So kudos to you, brother. You're welcome back anytime. And kudos to everybody again for listening. Thank you so much. This podcast wouldn't be where it is right now if it weren't for all the people who listen, for all the loyal listeners who check out every episode, for all of you who are brand new who are Stoneside fans, and maybe I wasn't on your radar before, I highly encourage you to go check the back catalog. Go to march4th.podbean.com. Check out the other episodes on Spotify and Apple and other places you get your podcasts. Um, it's, uh, it's really, you know, really cool to me to see the people who are listening to the show from different parts of the world and people who are connecting with it. And I've gotten some some positive feedback in the recent months. And that's kind of a nice thing. It's kind of like a nice tip of the cap to the universe to remind me that, that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Um, granted, maybe I'm internalizing that and that's how I'm taking it. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've been able to connect with a lot of great people like Crane, you guys. And, uh, you know, and if it weren't for the people who listen to the show and people who tell their friends about it and take the time to like and subscribe or leave a comment on Apple or Spotify, like, it wouldn't be where it is right now. So thank you to all of you humbly from the bottom of my heart, man. I hope that you guys are really connecting with this theme of perseverance and moving forward. It's very important to me. I'm literally living it in my own life right now with the things I've been through in this last year. And I don't say that as a victim or a martyr. You know, we all go through ups and downs in life. And I think the key is just learning to uh, to ride the waves when they come and understand that, you know, this too shall pass. You know, storms come in. And uh, the rain comes and the thunderstorms come and then the clouds roll out and the sun eventually comes back out. And in life, you just got to learn how to navigate those waters when the storms come. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do at 34. And uh, that's why I try to you know, keep this podcast real. There's going to be heavy moments. There's going to be light moments. There's going to be moments of humor. There's going to be moments of sadness and darkness. But ultimately, it's all done to really just connect on a positive level and let y'all know that uh, you have the ability to overcome and to persevere and chase your dreams. And if we get one life to live, man, you know, um, that's the best way to spend your time, in my opinion, is trying to connect with people in a positive way and uh, chase down whatever and whoever is important to you. So I hope that you all do that. Once again, 
Stoneside underscore music on Instagram. You can follow me at March 4th pod on Instagram at Mike V. Bauman on Twitter. And the host site is March4th.podbean.com. And the uh, link tree to all my stuff is in the, uh, the podcast description. So if you guys want to check out past work that I've done, if you go to my link tree, there's a little bio section. For those of you who are new, you want to learn more about me, see some of my past feature writing. Um, I don't want to name drop, but uh, there, there may or may not be a story in there from a band called Corn. Um, uh, that was a cheesy thing, I know. That was cheesy, I know. I just did it. Little cheese moment. But in all seriousness, if you want to learn more about me, it's all in the podcast description. And uh, ultimately, I do hope you guys share this episode. I hope that uh, you comment when Stoneside shares it and um, that uh, you guys tell your friends about it because I really think that uh, these guys are, are something special. Uh, I really enjoy their music, and um, it's uh, even more powerful now that I've had a chance to talk to Crane. And that's going to be a wrap on this week's episode, y'all. Keep the faith and be kind to one another. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, but uh, ultimately, guys, you know, at the end of the day, to me, it doesn't matter what you look like, um, what church of hot and cold running water you go to, if you if you are a religious person, what state you're from, what your political views are, okay? At the end of the day, let's just be kind to each other. Let's be good to each other. Um, people have a right to feel upset about things that are happening. And I, and I, and I understand that. And I share a lot of those frustrations, but at the same time, I think it's important to remember our humanity. I think it's important to remember to be the first to extend our hands to, to other people. And I can't speak for anybody listening to this show. Um, and it's not for me to tell you how to feel, so I'm not going to do that. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. But when I say, please remember your humanity, I just, to me, I think, you know, tribalism is a cancer. I think rivalries are great for sports. And, um, and I think, you know, teams, you know, going against each other, it makes for great storylines and stuff in the sports world. But when it comes to real life, it's not a good thing. And I think we're seeing that in the United States right now with a lot of the division that's happening with a lot of the things that are, you know, becoming, you know, laws, it's, it's kind of terrifying in some ways, but at the end of the day, um, you know, not everybody is going to think like you do. Not everybody is going to move the way that you move, but that doesn't mean that you guys shouldn't be able to talk it out civilly, uh, and, you know, dap up, shake each other's hands and peacefully disagree. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, people have a right to be upset about the things that are happening. Um, 100%. But I think at the end of the day, we got to remember our humanity and we got to remember to be kind to each other. And, and, and we got to do the legal things that, that help change things. And, and one of the most powerful things you can do as an American is vote. However you feel about everything that's going on, just vote. And at the end of the day, I, I would like to believe that uh, cooler heads will prevail and that we're all going to be okay. So I'm going to put that out in the universe. Um, but I just, you know, I don't get political on this show. Um, and even everything that I just said isn't quote unquote politically motivated because uh, I consider myself to be a centrist. I'm not a registered Democrat or Republican. But when I look at a lot of the things going on, man, I, I just feel like um, there's a lot of a lot of good marketing and propaganda that gets done to drive us all apart and get us to rip each other apart in the streets. And sadly, it's happening. And I just think if more people... Um, had their antennas tuned to um, kindness and empathy and the truth, we could learn how to peacefully coexist and find 
a happy medium in all of this. And I think at the end of the day, the power is always going to be in the hands of the people. So if you keep a cool head, it's okay to be passionate. It's okay to be angry, but it's how you channel that that makes all the difference in the world. So let's just not forget our humanity, you know, regardless of, you know, religion or race or political affiliation, if you have one, um, let's just remember to be good to each other. Exercise your right to vote. But other than that, my advice, not that you ask for it, is to just, you know, be kind to each other. That's how I end every episode. So on that note, I'm going to say keep the faith and be kind to one another, courtesy of Crane and the dudes in Stoneside off of their album, The Desert. Here is the song, Pale Dawn. Peace. Dark as the night